This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porritt and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello Snowflakes. Hello Richard. Hi, how are you doing? I'm well. We're in the studio. <laughs> we're in our new we're in our new studio. It's very exciting. We've been we, we can't look at each other. Which is good for, from my point of view. Which is excellent news from both our points of yeah. view, I imagine. Um, but yes, we are. It's lovely. It's, it's nice, it's soundproofed. It's it's um yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit compact and bijou, isn't it? It's well, like a little bit it's uh, it's cosy, let's put it that way. I think, do you know what, we've done this, uh, I've no idea what episode number we're on, it'll be something like 175 or something like that. Um, we've done a lot of episodes of the New European Podcast, um, and we've recorded it, we we, rec- we are based in a huge, bit, uh, sort of, what, 19, I think it was 1970 when it was um, yes. completed the building, and it's got... Nooks and crannies and tiny little rooms and then doors that lead to nowhere. You know, it's it's a big old building. And we have recorded this podcast, Steve, I think just about everywhere. Yes. In, and we've actually recorded it in here before, but now it has been turned into a podcast studio rather than just a broom cupboard, which is... Actually, this is what it's, it looks like, the broom it cupboard. It looks like, yes, it does. Yeah. Where's Gordon, the gopher? He's, well... I don't like to... All right, well, you you killed him, have you? You might find out during the course of this podcast. I've got a little surprise (laughs) for you. This sounds very dark. (laughs) Okay, well, I look forward to to greeting God. I I actually had a little... Someone bought me a little Gordon the Gopher. Did they? And it had a little leather jacket on. Uh, Did he speak Gordon the Gopher? Or was he one of those, like, sooty? No, no, he did. He squeaked, squeaked, yeah. He he squeaked, but only Philip Schofield could understand what he was saying. Right, okay. Uh, I don't know if that's still the case. Yes, that would be bad, wouldn't it? Um, I haven't seen... Like, every now and then, because children's puppets, and I am a fan of the the puppet, 
they there are ones that are sort of perennials, aren't they? Roland Rat is often brought out for every now and then. We've talked about Roland Rat on this podcast on many occasions. Of we course, have. Basil Brush, he makes a comeback every now and then. He made a, made a very impressive comeback Brexit, in the 90s. He, I, I think would have he stood so. for the. Didn't he? Wasn't he on the, yeah. the list to stand for the Brexit party? But he, he got stood down. I think he might have been. But he made an impressive comeback, of course, he on did. Fantasy Football League in yes, the nineties. That's right. And then he was the the flavour of the month for a while. So every now and then he's back. We don't see Spit the Dog so much, do we? No, no. He's he's. Um, I think he would leave, wouldn't he? Spit the Dog. He would be definitely leave. Um, did Gordon the Gopher? Did he grow up to be Holly Willoughby then? Is that, Maybe. Is that what happened? Maybe. That's a really good question. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what... I, do you know, Holly Willoughby is one of those people I just I don't have an opinion on no. at all, good or bad. What about you? No, I've got no opinion on her. Weird, that, isn't it? Be, I'd like it better if she wasn't called Willow Hollaby. <laughs> <laughs> I would have an opinion on her then and it would be positive. It would be, yeah. It's a much better name. Um, I just find a particularly vanilla. Mm. And I, I like Fredo Rockwell, who's tweeting. He's b- been brilliant this week, by the way. Your mate, um, your ice cream related mate. Yeah, he's been on this podcast. He he says that you shouldn't be ashamed of being vanilla. And I am I'm a vanilla fan. Anyway, should we do a podcast about Brexit and Aston politics? Vanilla. Yeah, we should do, yeah. Um, well, here we are. Thanks for joining us. Um, yes. If you come here for your news, check somewhere else out, blah, blah, blah. We all know the drill now. Um, but actually, you can probably just get back to listening to us now. Um, no, don't do that, because we've got lockdowns. We've got lockdowns in the northeast now. Um, my family in West Yorkshire, I don't know whether they know if they're in lockdown or not. They've, really, no. they've, they've got no idea. Um, so you just, why don't you just tell them that they are in lockdown and then they can stop bothering you? Well, <laughs> asking you to come round and that. <laughs> they do ask me to come round, but I never do. Yeah, just I do just feel say bad. I'm in lockdown. I never visit, um, and I'm a really, I'm a really bad nephew, cousin, uncle. I'm not an uncle. Oh, I am an uncle. Uh, yeah, I'm. T- you know, I'm a dreadful, dreadful family member. My uncle, my uncle, my uncle Jim, has just in the last hour been as tested positive for COVID nineteen. Oh. Get well soon, Uncle Jim. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to be fine. We're, but do get well, Uncle Jim. But he's he's definitely going to be um, a celebrity in his village on the Pennines as the first man who got got the Rona. <laughs> um, but do get well soon, Uncle Jim. Um, while we're talking about TV, have you been watching Des, the Dennis uh, Nielsen thing? No, no, I haven't. I, I, I do you know what are these ITV um, sort of dramas that they do that are about things that happen i find them all a bit sort of a bit much i i you know i like to if i'm watching tv i i you want a bit of escapism i do do, yeah but not and i'm not talking love island right which someone earlier this week told me i looked like someone off love island Mm. yeah and i had no top on at the time so that's good um yeah i i what you know a sport and um Actual history, rather than. But yeah. I. But he looks. I mean, what's he called? David um, Tennant seems to have been, done a very good job. It looks superb, but I haven't watched it now. But it was. It was a bit strange the other night. I was going to say because there he was, a bespectacled man with you know the sort of the hair over to one side. Yeah. And he, there he was murdering these people or, uh, and all of this, and then. This, the, I, I sort of took my eye off the screen for a minute and went to make a cup of tea, and the next thing I saw was Robert Peston, <laughs> and I thought, 
Has Robert, Robert Peston put headphones on some somebody and strangled them to the tune of Oh Superman by Laurie Anderson? Well, that's I funny. It's a bit, it's a, it was all a bit strange. Because, yeah, Peston really does have a look at it. He does look, look a bit like, like Dennis Nielsen. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't, I've not really paid much attention to it. I did read the book it's based on, Killing for Company by Brian Masters, which was really good. And one of the weird things about it was how... Dennis Nielsen was kind of obsessed with the idea that the uh, after his after his arrest and imprisonment he, he was he wrote quite a few letters saying slagging off the sun because they they kept calling him a left winger <laughs> and, uh, and he was saying this is just they're using me as a to, you know as a way to get at to Tony Ben and all this kind of stuff and it's like hmm. Anyway, I tell you what, Jim Davidson's turned out nice, hasn't he? What? Who knew that he was an idiot? Put the reds in, screw back. I think he was on that single, wasn't he? Snooka Loopy. Well, he did big break, didn't he? Big break, he? that's it. Yeah. He did do Saturday, big break. Saturday tea I'd time. like him to have a big break, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, leg. I don't know. There was a rumor when I was at school oh, that there, there was there was a rumor when I was at school that was Mark Holman, not Jim Davidson. I'm telling <laughs> you now. <laughs> Let's not go. Let's not go down there. No, no, no. There was a room when I was at school, and I think it might actually be one of these rumors that is actually true that he had a relationship with a woman from nearby Heckmandwijk. Oh, and uh, Heckmandwijk is a little sort of market town on the outskirts. Well, it's in the conurbation between Huddersfield and Leeds, basically, and. um, this you'd see this woman who at this point would be in her maybe mid forties, I guess, with this little dog, and everyone used to say, "Jim Davison bought her that dog," and I often thought I'd ask her, but I never did. I wish I wish I had, but that is a rumor that if you're from Heckman White, you will have certainly heard That's Jim yeah. Davison's little dog story. Maybe we could do more Heckman White rumors. Heckman White rumors. <laughs> do you know Mark? The thing that Heckman White is is probably most famous for is that um, when Mark and Lard first started doing their Late night radio one show. Oh, yeah. They used to do a, a stunt called Radio Heckmandwijk. They used oh, to sing on Radio Heckmandwijk. So, dear listener, welcome to Radio Heckmandwijk. Um, it's a funny little. It's thing. a great name, Heckmandwijk, isn't it? It is. Yeah. What else has happened this week in Heckmandwijk? No, in in the world of politics. I would love to hear from anyone from Heckmandwijk who listens to this podcast. Yes, please so, do. Put, we can, we'll, tap me up on Twitter. We'll do our own Heckmandwijk news section. If you're from Hecky Thump, Hecky Thump is that what it's known as? No, like, not really. No. I, but you can't go into the Morrisons in Heckmandwijk without meeting someone you know. It takes you about four hours to get round. Heckman Dwight Morrison. Anyway, enough of my reminiscing of Heckman Dwight. Um, what's Jim Davidson been up to? We didn't get to that. Well, Jim Davidson, he, he's done some... Um, he's done a video about how he can't get on TV anymore because of... Um, Being a racist. Well, something like that. He Misogynist. Said, he said, you don't see white couples on adverts anymore, do you? Yes, all the time. <laughs> Most TV presenters are non-white. No, that's rubbish. And then he said, the Golden Girls... Do you know that film, The Golden Girls, with all them old birds? It wasn't the film, was it? Was it? A t- it was a TV bad show. TV show. That's yeah. being made by black people. Now, what he meant was <laughs> that four black actors, including Regina King from Watchmen, had done their own version. I think Zoom paid for it. Oh, really? And then there was like a one-off oh, sort of 30-minute thing, imagining good. these four uh, black um, actors... Um, uh, I've not seen it, but anyway. So, uh, that's what he's on about. Well, adverts for this podcast, old certainly. Man, old man, bitter old man ranting 
on his own. Adverts for this podcast certainly include a, a white couple, don't they? Well, they do, yeah. Both bearded as well. Exactly that. Uh, Grant Shapps? Yes. What about him? Well, I uh, this is a bit, I presume you're talking about the um, graffiti thing. Well, he said, didn't he? He said that people would uh, would start only start using the trains again when uh, gra- removing graffiti. When graffiti was removed from the trains. I mean, my view. I'm a bit of a fan of graffiti, so I I think more. I think we should do more of it. Yes. No, actually, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> As the lawyers start waving yeah, at me through do the window. That, no. Don't do graffiti. What we should do... But you see, the Banksy did some stuff on a, on a tube train, didn't they? And they cleaned it off. That's right. Well, that did. was stupid. They should have decommissioned it and sold it. Yes, um, exactly. For £10 million. <laughs> pounds. That would have been the clever thing to do. Um, no, don't do graffiti, kids. Uh, do, do art at home um, on paper i guess and then maybe stick it on the train how about that um but matt hancock has got his own plan to get people back on the trains ha- hasn't ha- it? because, hancock, because yeah. if you live in norwich and you want a test uh-huh. you've got to get the train to inverness that's right to get it so <laughs> so that'll get people back on the train yeah, soon as well yeah, and have you seen this brexit conspiracy theory this is very good this <laughs> this is my favorite thing of the week hans olaf henkel yeah who is a German Eurosceptic MEP. Uh, he's got a, a brilliant German name, hasn't he? Hans-Olof Henkel, yeah. I imagine he lives in a sort of gingerbread house. <laughs> and he says that Brexit was actually a, a successful plot by the EU to force out the UK. I'm convinced <laughs> that the French and the other forces in Brussels actually wanted <coughs> Britain to leave, as it was always Britain that stood in the way of more Brussels and more government um, and then he said, and then he said, it's it's no accident that uh, Michel Barnier was picked to be the, the EU's chief negotiator. Uh, he's a French bureaucrat, which means he's highly intelligent, well educated, and has perfect manners. Well, the bastard! <laughs> <laughs> what a cunning thing! Um, and he basically said, you know, putting somebody like like this in with David Davis and um, oh God, Liam he seems Fox like a million years like ago, didn't it? I mean, he's right, isn't he? But it's all a fiendish plot. That is, but well, what if we had, clever. What if we had had? What if we had sort of scuppered the plot by putting somebody who wasn't, you know, thick as mash mince? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't really see where he's coming from. No, he says he bonkers. now says if I had a magic wand, I would vote for stopping Brexit altogether. It is a lose-lose situation for Britain <laughs> and the EU. He's he's not much of a Eurosceptic, ah, is he? Wow, Hans Olaf Henkel. I do like saying his name though. Yeah. Oh, I do, I do you know what? I'd love to go to Germany for a bit. I haven't been to Germany for ages. It's great in Germany, isn't it's a it? Brilliant country, and it's brilliant at this time of year as well. I, I might, maybe I'll, I've got my my buddy Gavin, who's written for the New European. I'd he like to go, Cologne, to, I I'd like go, to, go to Hamburg again. I've not been to Hamburg. That's a, that's a, that's Bonn a is nice. Bonn is nice. Trey Bonn. That's, um, where the, that's where it comes from. I like, uh, is that right? No, of course no, not. Of course not. It's French, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, I can't believe I fell for that. That's the cunning <laughs> French for you. He's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> well educated. <laughs> He's outsmarted us from the start. <laughs> Vaughn is lovely. I also like Dresden. Dresden. Very nice. And Berlin, of course. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Dortmund. It. I like Dortmund as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Stuttgart. Very good. There's nowhere in Germany I don't like. Excellent. If anyone would like me to come on a press trip to Germany, uh, maybe to see the Christmas market. Or to meet Hans-Olaf Henkel. <laughs> if Hans-Olaf Henkel wants to take me out for, for a 
sausage and some sauerkraut, I would like that very much. Um, what we should really talk about, though, is, is another great week for Boris Johnson, isn't it? He's hitting it out of the park, isn't he? Because... We talked about the, the briefly. We talked about the testing, didn't we? Um, and obviously, everywhere is going into lockdown. Uh, um, wait a minute. If you do get your news only from us, not everywhere is going into lockdown. Please no. keep an eye on your local news outlet. The whole of the northeast is in lockdown. That is true. Do you think Paul Gascoigne will obey the curfew? <laughs> I think he's doing all right at the moment, Gaza. Good, Does, good is, for he li- him. is he living up in the northeast? I think he's in the northeast. I think he? he's. All, I, th- I mean, you know, poor old Paul. He's had a tough time. Uh, much of it, you know. Um, self-inflicted, he would be the first to admit that, but um, hopefully he's doing all right. Did you see how Sky News accidentally moved Sunderland? No, where did they move? Yeah, they did a map of the northeast and they moved Sunderland to Cumbria. Um, Obviously Sunderland desperately trying to get out of the northeast before lockdown hits. That's good, (laughs) yeah. That's good. Um, So the northeast is going into lockdown, or some kind of lockdown, or super, super secret lockdown. Um, it was revealed on Peston, wasn't it? It was revealed on he Peston, was, he, yeah. he started sort In of between wrapping up strangling, the... <laughs> he attempted to strangle Robert Jenrick. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you. It's, diff- it's an interesting interview technique. It is, and then he, uh, yeah, and then he coughed up that... Um, <laughs> the the yeah. North East is going, is that enough? <laughs> uh, so yeah. You can live for another day. Um, so that's happening. Um, people can't get tested. Um... Uncle Jim got tested. Uncle Jim got tested. Keir Starmer got tested. He did. Uh, finally. But people can't get tested. People are angry about it. Boris Johnson keeps saying we're, we're testing more people than any other European country. That's because we've ballsed it up worse than any other European country, isn't it? But that reminds me of the... Everybody else, everybody else is, 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 is sorted this out and has got a proper test track and trace program you see that reminds me of the i can't remember where, which country it was but the health minister who in about april was asked by the uh, a press conference he was uh, I, I think it was i think it was an african nation and the health minister was asked you know what what, what this is extraordinary why have we not got any coronavirus cases in this country and he said well we've not done any tests yeah well that will <laughs> that will do it won't it that Maybe that was it. the answer to defeating coronavirus all along. What about the? I mean, the withdrawal agreement thing has has been a bit of a disaster. There there, there seems to be a compromise, doesn't <coughs> there? In that they're going to give, you know, they're going to let people, MPs, vote on whether the withdrawal agreement can be changed or not. But it doesn't. It doesn't stop the idea. Doesn't end the idea. Well, it doesn't mean that we're not breaking international law. Well, does this, it? The we're impor- still breaking international law. The important issue here for me, and I've been cheered actually by the response of our former prime ministers, mm. um, and um, the New European Front portrays that excellently. It's a fantastic front this week. We always say that, but it really is a stunner this week. Um, and is already getting tons of praise. Yes. Uh, Chris Barker designs those. He's great. Really fantastic. And um, and, and I think you know I think it's fairly clear if you if you're a regular listener to these podcasts that I'm an admirer of um, the Blair years, but also you know John Major uh, and Blair coming together, and now Cameron and Theresa May, obviously, um, and Gordon Brown. I, I mean, I don't know what weight it carries, really. All of them have got their crosses to bear, haven't they, as many, most, most prime ministers do once they leave office. 
but I think what it says is that this is this is a new era of disregard potentially. Yes. For 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 you know for for solemn vows that this country takes in not being seen as a rogue state. I mean, how are we supposed to be trusted by anyone if we you know renege on something that we um, signed? You know, nine months later, how is anyone expected to trust us? It well, is Trumpian exactly. in the extreme. It and, is, um, and I thought I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm not one of these people who thinks Britain is great. I think Britain's an economic union. I don't think England's great. I think I'm lucky to be born here, um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not a flag waving patriot by any means. But I, I, I kind of thought that Britain was better than that, mm. um, and I'm, and I'm. I'm not shocked that this government's done it, but I'm shocked that it's happening full stop. Well, the good news is that the Americans are not going to turn down a trade deal with us because they don't like breaking international law. They're going to turn down a trade trade deal with us because they think it's going to break the Good Friday Agreement. Yeah, and yeah. Joe Biden has now joined. Yeah. Um, you know, people. Nancy Pelosi mentioned this last week. The government sort of tried to laugh it off. Uh, Dominic Raab has been. Has he been in Washington or has he just been on Zoom with those people? But he's certainly been sent away with a flea in his ear, hasn't he? And it's and it's quite clear that if they do something to that is going to damage the Good Friday Agreement, which this obviously is, um, then we're not going to get the trade deal with the USA, which the Brexiteers have said all along is the big prize here, isn't it? It's you know it's not. It's not the, the the deal trade deal with Japan, which is going to add what is it naught point naught seven percent to our economy. It's the you know the the trade deal with America, which is not going to in any way replace what we're losing with the EU. But it, it you know it would make a little dent in it. Well, anyway. I, d- I, don't, I, I can tell you actually, I can tell you this bit of live news. Yes. actually, Birkin news. We should have a do do dum 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 dum. I tried to get in touch with one of my. Uh, members of uh, staff tried to get in touch with. Uh, well, that made me sound important, didn't it? No, I'm not really members, members of staff. staff yeah. what, what, your your valet. <laughs> my valet tried to get in touch with Liz Truss. The um, the one one of my team. That's yeah. better, isn't it? One of my team uh, tried to get in touch with Liz Truss, and it she was wasn't she wasn't able um, to to come to the phone or indeed uh, get, give us a comment because she's locked in trade negotiations. Cheese related. So pork, I said, pork related. I said we need a quote by half past three, and she said that is a disgrace. Um, anyway, what I'm saying is, don't fear, Liz Truss is on the case, dear listener. Everything's going to be fine. I think she might come up again in this podcast. Anyway, she may well do so. Um, the whole thing is, I mean, it, it's fairly, it's become fairly clear now, hasn't it? Dominic Cummings has, has basically. He he briefed he's briefed MPs now that um, what he calls Boris Johnson's genius move, which I think we can guess who actually came up with. If Dominic Cummings is saying this is a genius move, who do you think came up with the idea in the first place? Was it <laughs> Boris Johnson or was it somebody with the initials DC? But Boris Johnson, uh, Dominic Cummings rather, has has told MPs that the genius move in all of this is that they are going to force the EU to build um, borders, economic and technical borders, at the Irish Republic ports, and then we will be able to blame the nasty old EU. They will have put borders back in, you know, isn't this a disgrace, and uh, and all of this. And, of course, do, you really, do we really think this is going to wash? 
I'm not sure people, I'm not sure the general public have got an appetite for more Brexit woe when they've been were told by Boris Johnson that he'd got Brexit done. The other thing is, I don't think the general public have got the kind of appetite for for scrapping like Dominic Cummings has when there doesn't need to be a scrap. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm all for a, I'm all for a fight if there needs to be one. But I'm not talking about EU-UK relations, I just mean in general. But Dominic Cummings just seems to go around picking fights for his own amusement. And um, I, I don't think the general public like that. I think there's an element of, there's a, there's a shouty, very loud contingent, um, but they are a, a minority. And what actually people would like is jobs protected, futures protected, and things done in Britain's best interest. Oh, lost my voice a little, bit a little I had a little turn. Did you have a little turn? I had a little, like, hiccups. Was, that wasn't Gordon the gopher, was it? I don't Tickling <laughs> your leg. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I got, I got all, oh, like that. Oh, you've done it again. Like, it's like a hiccup. Is it all fine? Right, so I'll, okay tell you what, I'll tell you what it is. I'll, I'll, full disclosure. Yeah, cool. I, um, I've been chewing gum. Because I um, I wasn't I wasn't a heavy smoker by any means, but I did enjoy a cigarette. Mm. So I've been chewing tobacco gum, and I've not oh, had okay. them for two. I've not had them for two weeks. You've not had a cigarette for two weeks. No, That's but I, you're always chewing. But I have had a lot of chewing gum, and yeah, it yeah. gives me hiccups. Oh, does it? Tobacco chewing gum gives me hiccups. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, that's what it is. There's two things, isn't there? There there are two big obligations with the withdrawal agreement. There are controls on goods. Um, and um, there, there are also sort of state aid rules, aren't there? And these are the two things that, you know, we put in this that were put in this withdrawal agreement that you sort of said, well, people said, well, you know how this is going to work out? This is effectively going to put a, 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 an invisible border or some kind of technical border or actually a physical border right down. Um, right down the, the, the island of Ireland. And, and so it's coming to pass. And, you know, the state aid thing was put in there by the EU and agreed by us. So, you know, you couldn't... We couldn't subsidise companies in Northern Ireland who would then send subsidised goods effectively over the border into, into the EU, into the south of Ireland. Um, and then... so goods that were produced in the UK would be at an advantage and then uh, and then the, you know the controls on goods it, it, it is exactly the same thing isn't it you, you, you cannot have it's essentially pulling pulling Britain out of the or the, the the United Kingdom rather out of the EU was always going to lead to this and it's ludicrous to say it, it, we've only just realized it. it's equally ludicrous to to sort of renege on our um, on our uh, commitments and and it's it is going to force the EU to, to take some action and the the attempt to paint the EU as some kind of bogeyman who were bringing back a threatening peace in in uh, on the island of Ireland is completely disgraceful and I but I mean I'm, I don't think I'm as confident as you that that people won't blame them but i think people have no i don't mean i i i think that there i think that there that people potentially will blame them but what i'm saying is i don't think people necessarily want to have a fight i don't think i think don't think average joe wants to have a fight about this i think they want to get it sorted fine either way yes um you know whether they voted leave or remain I, i i it's just 
it's just fairly nasty politics, and it leads to a very bad taste in my mouth. Now, I mean, unlike the tobacco gum, which I'm enjoying. Now we've talked about this. We talked about that all that last week as well, didn't we? And what is new this week is that I mean, he, Boris has had a, a shooing in the, the House of Commons by um, by Ed Miliband, which is remarkable, isn't it? You know. Um, he he didn't do so well. He, he did all right against Angela Rayner, but that was a, a, a different kind of attack. He seemed a bit uncomfortable. He didn't really know how to go on the attack against Angela Rayner. No. Um, and we know that he's very uncomfortable against Keir Starmer. And the reaction to that has been, and to the last couple of weeks, has been fairly extraordinary. There's an, an amazing cover of the Spectator, yeah. which is a you know it's the House. Journal of the Conservative Party, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Essentially, it shows a well. It's, it shows a sort of lifeboat, doesn't it, or mm-hmm. a, a, a sort of rudderless lifeboat adrift on heavy waves. Um, I do like heavy waves. Very good. Um, that could be the name of your band, Heavy Waves. Yeah. Um, what's the editor of the Spectator called? Fraser Nelson. Fraser Nelson's written a piece inside. Uh, the cover, the cover story. Did you, says, had you forgotten, or were you just testing me? No, I had forgotten. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> I, was, I, I thought was, we'd started the quiz. Um, he, he he said it's a Boris Johnson is a forlorn creature stalking around Westminster. <coughs> the MPs who bumped into Johnson in the chamber last week said he looked exhausted, broken, astonished at what he had unwittingly unleashed. It's not just Boris, his whole government... So this is in The Spectator. Wow. His whole government seems adrift, defined by its avoidable mistakes, COVID policy, Brexit, party discipline. In all these things, there's a conspicuous and baffling lack of leadership. I've got to say, it is conspicuous. It isn't baffling, is it? And even Toby Young, who is, you know, has also written in The Spectator this week, he, he admits that it isn't baffling because he says... I mean, he slags off Boris, he says. He reminds me of a hereditary king who is so staggeringly incompetent that he must be removed before doing too much damage. Um, In fact, he says that a friend of his has said that to him. He says he's not the only person feeling like this. It pains me to say it, but I too have given up on Boris. Um, Whatever happened to the freedom-loving, twinkly-eyed, Rabelaisian character I voted for, few would dispute that he failed to give the pandemic the attention he should have done in January and February. Uh, Come March, he was buffeted by it. And then he says, crucially, he says, Boris Johnson's critics have been proved correct. Michael Gove, when justifying his decision to knife Boris in the Tory leadership four years ago, he said it was because, having seen Boris Johnson operate up close, he'd concluded that he lacked the character for the top job. Not lazy, exactly, but not seriously enough. Uh, I think Michael Gove was right. Um, And Toby Young supported Boris Johnson and uh, and has said, I I got it wrong. He wasn't serious. He's not entirely serious, and he isn't wrong. So what what do we make of this? Is, it, is, is there a move against Boris Johnson? I don't think it's that. I, I think... <clears throat> I think that it... Obviously, it's been a tough week for Boris as well. We've had people quitting. Um, we've, yeah. we've had uh, people, um, you know, attacking him from from all you know from all sides. I, I, I don't think that the warning bells will be ringing too loudly inside number 10 yet because i think they will be thinking a couple of couple of wins and this will go away whether that is on test and trace or whether that is 
something else that number 10 pulls out of its um, magic magic hat uh, come budget time, I don't know. Does he, have they really got a magic uh, hat? Well, Rishi and his magic hat, um, I'm told. Oh, that's good. Well, I, d- I just... like Wizbit? I was going to go... That was a oh magic God, hat that, that was could a, walk, What a weird it? thing that was. Paul Daniels yes. in, a, in a pyramid... And a creature that lived in a swamp. It was the weirdest thing. It was weird. And Wisbit was, was a magic hat. He was a sort ha, of... Ha, a, this away. Ha, ha, that, that away. Ha, ha, this away. My, my, oh, my. And those were the days when the star and the writer and the producer also sang the theme tune. Brilliant. And Paul did indeed sing the theme tune. He did sing Wisbit. the theme tune. It was, it was, that was a golden age for um, TV theme tunes. Do you remember Takeover Bid with Bruce Forsyth? Go on, you'll have to sing. Well, he rapped on it. <laughs> I'm going to launch a takeover to. bid for you. He did all that at the start, <laughs> and then it was it was a, a short-lived. I think it was it happened, and then he went back to they like revived the, the generation, generation game. game. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I think it was. I think that's what happened, and he went right. I'm going back to the generation game. But What's he actually did rap. Yeah. Well, I'm of all to takeover bid for you. Of all the. Um, of all the people that should have been a rapper, Bruce Forsyth, I'm surprised. That could have... T- I mean, he could have had a, a massive selling. He could have preempted UK Garage by some time. Yes. And Grime. He could have been the godfather of Grime. Yes. <coughs> you know what football team he supported, Bruce Forsyth? <laughs> um, this, is a good f- this is a good trivia quiz. Is it Kilmarnock? No. He supported Arsenal and Spurs. <laughs> Well, this is like the... Do you remember I told you the story? Arsenal and Spurs. <laughs> and you went, what? So when you were a kid, you went to Arsenal one week and your mates were all Spurs fans. So you went, no, I just liked Arsenal and Spurs. I lived in between the grounds and I liked them both. Well, this is a guy... I, I remember the story I told you about the taxi driver in Manchester who said he supported City and United. Yeah, I, lo- I like City and United. <laughs> and when they played and each other, he hoped for a, hoped for a draw. <laughs> he hoped for a draw. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Really? Um, um, well, there you go. There you go. So, I forget. So, we're going to put Wisbit in charge of the government. Wisbit would be, well, he'd certainly do a better job. No, the, the magic hat. I was going to say magic money tree. Yes. Um, and, and I went for hat instead. You went for magic hat. Um, what if Boris Johnson turned up with a magic hat? I what about with a magic hat mancock? That <laughs> that's what they should do. This is it. Right, I've got it. Boris, sit down, get a pen. Tell Dom to go with. This is what we're going to do, Boris. Listen carefully. Call a press conference. Bring your lecterns out. Witty and his pal can come along as yeah. well. But this is what you need to do. You need to get Hart Mancock, dress him up like a magician. You know, like sort of Mandrake from Defenders oh, yeah, of the yeah, Earth. Yeah. Or Doctor Strange. Exactly, like that. And we'll get him a hat. Doctor Cock. And while you're... While you're... <laughs> While you're telling everyone the bad news, he will distract the nation by pulling rabbits out of his hat, you know, by the ears. Oh, yeah. And having a wand that collapses when one of the one of the journalists in the front row, when he gives him the wand, it'll collapse, and yeah. then he can't do it. I bet he's already got a wand that collapses. I don't want to talk about that. And then, you know, maybe some cards, and uh, that be uh, the journalists would come out, and they'd write about the magic show. They, they would. wouldn't write about the fact that, you know, Test and Trace is... A nightmare that um, we, we're heading towards a, a, a second spike, um, and uh, you know we, we seem more interested in keeping pubs open than getting kids back to school. He wouldn't be interested in none of that. Would get written. It would just be wall to wall excellent coverage of Hat Mancock's magic show. That would be really really good. I um, actually went to a magic show once with my kids where there was a rabbit. 
And I swear that rabbit was on drugs. It never moved. Subdued. I reckon they drug them, do you? Very subdued. Well, otherwise they'd be bouncing about. You've rabbits seen, you've are lively. Rabbits, yeah, rabbits lively. are lively. I um, don't want this rabbit drugged, Boris. All right? No. Uh, that we must make sure that we release the testing of the rabbit to make sure it's clean. I don't want no Lance Armstrong type scandal with the number 10 rabbit. It's, um, I mean... There is a bit of a drip, 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 isn't there, of Tory commentators. Isabel Oakeshott the other day was saying... Well, She's a drip, she, yeah. ...was saying, well, I, you know, I gave him the benefit of the doubt, but I never thought he'd be any good in the first place. You've hear, you hear a lot of people, don't you? I, I, you see a lot of people saying, he doesn't look well. Is there something wrong with him? Has the COVID, having COVID, you know, affected him yeah. more than, than, than anything yeah. else? I just think there is something... There's something brewing something going on here. Brewing, yeah, but I think brewing. it's longer term. I don't think we, you know Boris is not going to leave before Christmas or anything like that. I th- but I would, and I was in. I, I actually was a guest on another podcast yesterday, and on that I was asked for my view on this, and I said it is highly unlikely that um, Boris Johnson will, in my opinion, fight another election. Hmm. Um, I think the Tories are happy to let Boris see it out for another eighteen months, two years. And then, much like Theresa May was supposed to be the human shield for Brexit, Boris can be the human shield for both Brexit and COVID. And COVID, yeah. But I don't agree with this thing about there'll be another Brexit headbanger in next. I well, think that's what Michael White said on yeah, the podcast last week. Yeah, and I, do, I would never, of course, um, have disagreed with Michael in uh, in person. No, uh, he's far too um, far too learned for me to get into a discussion about politics with Michael White. But I don't. I disagree with that. I still think we don't know enough about Rishi yet. But you know what? That's probably to his um, to his advantage. It is to his advantage. Um, yes. So you know, and he's already got some good moves to fall back on. Um, there's going to be pain, but I think people. I think you can economically, but I think people can understand that, and he could probably um, say that was out of my hands. I did everything I could, and imagine what the pain would have been like if we hadn't have had a furlough scheme, if we hadn't have had eat out to help out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Do you think the 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 Tories' new strength in the Red Wall is in any way damaged by this North East thing? Uh, putting the North East back into lockdown? No, I don't think so. I mean, we've already... Uh, no, I, I, you know, the North is, the North has pretty much been in lockdown, great swathes of it, as I mentioned earlier, you know, West Yorkshire, um, or annoyingly as they refer to it on the, on the telly as Kirk Lees, which is a, a voting district rather than a... Uh, the, the local voting district rather than actual place wasn't invented until like 1974 but um you know west yorkshire parts of greater manchester obviously have been in lockdown for some time now um so i don't th- i think the pe- i think people understand that where there are a larger density of people you are more likely to get a spike in coronavirus cases i mean that's just simple common sense isn't it yes. um you would imagine so uh, no, I don't think. I don't think that the. No, I don't know. What do I know? Yeah. <laughs> Stop asking me questions. He doesn't know anything. This. No, I, don't, I think that. The, I think that people will be pragmatic about it and say they will ask the right questions, like you know, like the people of uh, Bolton. It was you coming out of lockdown. No, you're not. Yeah, we are. No, you're not. No, you're not. Oh no, sorry, you're not. I mean, that's nonsense. That's n- utterly badly managed lunacy by the government, but. I think people understand why they have to go into lockdown. If the, you know, it's for their own safety. I just, I, I do think that. I mean, people understood, didn't they, why they had to go into the Second World War? But at the end, they 
they weren't very they, they exhibited no not much gratitude towards the, the, oh, the yeah, government yeah, that yeah, guided yeah, us yeah. through the second world yeah War. absolutely and, I, yeah um, you know i'm not saying i'm not saying that the that they those tory seats are safe i think but i don't think that i don't think it's that the local lockdowns will be the thing it'll be a bigger picture than that if if those red wall seats um well if those blue wall seats turn red or mm. if the red wall seats turn red again then I think that that will be down to a, a wider mishandling of um, of you know of uh, of the coronavirus, but also that by that point, a lot of those seats are really going to understand um, what Brexit means, what it actually means. Yes, um, and it's probably not exactly what it said in the brochure for a- them. I would have thought a- absolutely not. Yeah, um, buyer's rem- but is it buyer's remorse then, or is it, or do you just stick with it and when we'll, we'll get it right? I don't know. We'll find out. The other thing, the other big thing in conservative politics this week has been these these fantastic diaries of Sasha Swire. Just brilliant. Um, I don't know what your what's been your favourite well, revelation just, just from I, Sasha Swire. Before I start, I love Sasha. What a superstar she is, and she reminds me of like. Are, were you aware of her before? I've missed out on Sasha Swire. Uh, I, I She's got a great name. Hasn't it's she? a brilliant Sasha name. Swire. I mean, and she looks a bit it's like, like Chucky Khan, isn't it? <laughs> Sasha Swire. Sasha Swire. Sasha Swire. Yeah, I think I, 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 I don't think she was on my radar particularly. Um, I. She reminds me of, like, you know, every group of teenage boy boys who are pals have got that one lad whose mum's hot. Yeah. She would have been that one, you know, the mum that all the all the other lads in your gang fancy. Stifler's mum from... Yeah, Stifler's mum. From American right. Pie. That's right. There's a song about that, isn't there? Stacey's mum has got it oh, going. Oh, that's it. Stacey's mum. Do you know who likes that song? Who likes that song? I see. I'll give you like thirty seconds to guess. You'll never get it. Um, is it of all the people we know and talk about? Alan, in Alan Bennett. No. no. <laughs> well, maybe he does. I got. I don't know. Alan, do you like Stacey's mom? Matt Mola. Hancock. Hat Mancock. No. Closer to home. Uh, closer to home. Colonel Kurtz. Colonel Kurtz. Of course. She would have that playing out in her jungle hideaway. Brilliant. Bizarre, isn't it? It's generational. It is a generational thing. Sasha Swire, I loved this at the weekend. It's brilliant. Yes. We don't need to read the book, uh, I wouldn't have thought, because it's all out there already, isn't it? He, 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 um, I did like... Um, the best revelation is that is, is David Cameron. On the, on the coastal path. <laughs> David Cameron's rather clumsy, and I presume jokey approach. Oh, well, I hope so, yeah. Uh, and Sasha Swire. I imagine probably Sam Cam was there as well. They're quite sort of cool and... Liberal, they would have been fine with it. Yes, wasn't uh, a swingers weekend, was it? It sounds like one, doesn't it? Go on, t- t- just remind the listener. He said uh, she claims that they went to they went to Paul's Eath with with Sam Cam and Dave Cam uh, in 2011 uh, for three days, a three day break, and she she wrote so at one point on the coastal path. Uh, David Cameron asked me not to walk ahead of him. Why, I asked, and he says, because that scent you are wearing is affecting my pheromones. It makes me want to grab you and push you into the bushes and give you one. Wow. Is, I mean... They're sex people. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> the Camerons are sex people. It's a bit uncomfortable, isn't what it? Was the, what the was she wearing? Do we know um, what she was wearing? I don't know. Imagine the sales boost. Was it... Um, I w- I'm going to have a guess that it would be probably Charlie Girl. Or Kate, one of Katie Price's own <laughs> scents that you get in 
What uh, what would get what in Poundland <laughs> next to David Beckham's <laughs> intensity? Oh yeah. Um, I really liked the um, I really liked the I like the Berlusconi story. That yeah. was good. Yeah, they went into Ber- David more, David Cameron and <laughs> more Sam, sex people. More sex people. David Cameron and Sam Cameron were shown into Berlusconi's bedroom, <laughs> which had a Renaissance two-way mirror above the bed. <laughs> And he went, you know, it's a two-way mirror that you can go up and, and look at it, and they look a bit weird, askance. And Sylvia Berlusconi says, well, they didn't have porn channels in those days, did they? Well, do you reckon that night when, when the Camerons got to their bedroom, they were, like, covering all the mirrors up? Exactly, Well, yeah. knowing them too, they were probably well, not covering like, the mirrors up. Um, imagine that. Imagine yeah. Berlusconi... <laughs> Imagine Berlusconi crawling onto a two-way oh. mirror above your bed, oh. sweating, <laughs> sweating profusely. I, oh dear! I heard oh about dear. what happened in Devon. Imagine him crashing through the mirror onto the bed in a bit of a, a, a sort of carry-on, <laughs> carry-on up the up the uh, Forza Italy. Don't you think? Oh got, my God! What what the? Uh, oh, we, what happened in Devon is a bit like what happened on the camping trip in Devon and Stacey. That would be really good, wouldn't it? A Sylvia Berlusconi carry on film with Sid James as <laughs> Sylvia. It'd definitely be and, Berlusconi, um, wouldn't it? Jim Dale as David Cameron, and um, <laughs> I don't know, who would it be? Not Joan Sims. Somebody, anyway. Uh, well, you know, we know who Sasha, Sasha Swain would be. Who would. Busty Babs, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Although I think she looks a bit like um, Jane Asher. She does look a bit like Jane yeah, Asher. Uh, yes, uh, uh, yes. I like Jane Asher. Um, I did it. I, I also like the sheer amount of. I like to think that if you know one of my, a couple of my mates sort of turned on me and I lost my very high-profile job as the prime minister, the first thing that I would do is go somewhere. <laughs> Quite a long way away. Invite my mates round, get really drunk, yeah. and then and then be very bitter about it. Yeah, and yeah. that's it. I really like that. That's what he did. Uh, Cameron, I think Cameron comes out of this pretty he well. He does. And apart, and obviously he was only joking. He's not actually a sex person. No, I don't think. I think he was um, joking. I think he was just joking. And I imagine David Cameron actually. Um, and he's got a lot. We've got a lot to blame him for. But I imagine he is actually quite good at having the, being able to do those little jokes because boris couldn't tell that joke could he no not at you'd all. call the police well you would call the um, police but, yeah but i imagine i imagine the cameras are quite good fun to be around so he basically said just after they 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 obviously fled to the their country pile didn't they after coming out yeah. on the, the the morning of the yeah the morning after the referendum and resigning um they went back to their place in oxfordshire the the swires invited themselves round or said can we come round he said you can you can come round if you bring some what did he say bring some two fat cohibas and plenty of booze he said mm. now two fat cohibas is not bingo in cuba that's not uh it's i think that's a that's a cigar uh, a fat cohiba it is two i like a cigar i've 22. not i've not had a cigarette in two weeks but i've had lots of fat cohibas um and then he said when 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 it said she was there, uh, Sam, he wasn't there uh, when they turned up. She said the, the country have made a stupid decision, quite right, Sam. 
Um, and then when Dave arrives, he makes a lethal Negroni before we progress to endless bottles of wine, whiskey and brandy. Then he said he is totally incandescent with anger against Michael Gove and Boris Johnson. So drunk and incandescent with anger against Michael Gove and Boris Johnson. And that's the way I've been for about four, the last four years. <laughs> what, drunk? Yeah, drunk and incandescent <laughs> with anger against Michael Gove and Boris Johnson. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's really good. I I, I really enjoyed it. I quite liked uh, George Osborne. Yes. Has anyone told George Osborne he's not the editor of the Evening Standard anymore? No, because he still seems to think that he is. He, that's right. Um, I mean, I know he's got some. Uh, it's one of those uh, we're trying to shift him off without telling him he's not got the job anymore. Job yes. tiles, isn't it? It's Samantha um, Cameron's sister, isn't it? Who's it is. Editor? Yeah, uh, Emily Sheffield. Emily Sheffield, and. That's it. Um, he tweet. He seems to try and tweet the front page out a little bit before she does. Yes, it's good. It's a little bit like when Roy Hodgson was the manager of Liverpool alongside. Um, who was it? Who were these? Still, we're going to share. Roy it. Evans. It was Roy Evans Roy and Evans. Jared Hulia. That's right. Roy Evans, yeah. not Roy Hodgson. Roy Evans and, and Jared Hulia. We, yeah, we're going to share. It. It's going to be fine. And it was for what? About half an hour. Yeah, three, <laughs> three days. And yeah. then they realised Gerard Hulia was going to be the next Liverpool manager. Um, and he said about this, he said, I don't want to hamper the sales, but there is quite a lot about me in this book. That's right. <laughs> That's yes. quite nice. I he like did. Um, I particularly like Sarah Vine's reaction uh, in her... This will be measured. Daily Mail column. I can count on the, the fingers of one hand the number of times I've met Sasha Swire. Five. But to be honest, <laughs> once would have been enough. <laughs> Um, and then she said, Sasha Swire has got a complete inability to self-censor, and she's unsparing in her criticism of those, invariable, invariably almost everyone, that she finds wanting. What do you reckon? I wonder who, that re- who else does that <coughs> remind you of? What, which other political wife does that remind you of? Who do you think, do you, what do you think David and Sam think of this? Um, I think that they are, well... People said... Well, drunk and incandescent with rage. Drunk and incandescent with rage as normal. Sasha Swire said, I think, you know, it could be social suicide, but I don't really care anymore. I Um, like her. And Sarah Vine has said it is social suicide. Um, I think that they're probably secretly amused by it. Yeah, I reckon they probably are as well. I reckon that Sam Cam and Dave Cam which sounds like the worst YouTube channels on history, doesn't it? You don't want um, that. I think they should get a little talk show. It'd be good. You know, like when it? Harold Wilson had his little talk show. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm too old, too young to remember. Friday but, night, Saturday morning. Um, he, uh, yeah, I think Sam, and it could be a little bit like, be like a cross between Mrs. Merton <laughs> <laughs> and that dreadful Ali G chat show. Oh, yeah. That had one good joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember what the good joke was? I don't know. What was it the was, joke? He said, um, he said to David Beckham, because obviously the, the gag was out by this point that Ali G was a comedian dressed up, which oh, was yeah. the only reason it was funny in the first uh, But he, he said to David Beckham, he said, you, um, you know when you wore that skirt thing? Oh, yeah. And David Beckham said, sarong. And he said, I know it's sarong, but what's what, what's it called? Oh, dear. Oh, I like That's funny. If you like that joke, then I... I, <laughs> I then I very much recommend the the new Lenny Henry radio <laughs> programme, which, no. which I, I, I put on the other night while I was doing the ironing, and goodness gracious... Right, I've got a problem with Lenny Henry... And that is that he's not funny. Well, and I don't think he's ever been funny. I'd, I'd, I've got to say, he seems like a lovely bloke, Lenny. Oh, Henry. I'm sure he's great. Yeah, he yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. He, he seems like ever such a nice bloke. It is. I mean, it is excruciating. I don't know whether he's written it himself. It is really awful. I, I can't remember 
a funny Lenny Henry joke. Well, I, 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 I don't think I ever really watched the Lenny Henry show or anything like that. No. I remember him in the thing with, was he in a, a sort of a three-hander with, was he in a thing with Tracy Ullman and, and somebody else? He was, But he's quite a good, serious-ish actor. Because do you remember that thing called Chef? Yeah, that was People all right, liked wasn't it? that, didn't they? And it wasn't really a comedy. Yeah. Maybe you should go like a bit... I'll tell you who I think's underrated. Matthew Kelly. And I don't mean Matt Kelly, our publisher and yeah. ultimate boss. Oh, he's... Yeah, yeah. Who is also underrated. <laughs> yeah, he is underrated, yeah. I mean, Matthew Kelly from... Um, See if he's going for a laugh. Yeah. He's he's done some good serious work. Yes. He was a, he was a psychopath, wasn't he, in uh, something or other? That was good. Matt Kelly was a psychopath? No! Matt Kelly's not a psychopath. Matt Kelly, he our it. ultimate boss, is a very um, nice chap. He's a an nice excellent chap. editor. He is. Uh, Matthew Kelly. Matthew Kelly. You remember flans in your face and all that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, what was what? What was, was the game a, show he did forever? He was sort of a. Oh, he did. Um, well, he did stars in your eyes, didn't he? Stars in your eyes. Or stars in their eyes. Stars in your eyes. Stars, stars in their, their eyes. eyes. Stars, in your, stars in their eyes. Stars in their eyes. Stars in their eyes. I loved that. That was brilliant. Tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be meatloaf. Okay, Susan. <laughs> we'll see you when you come back. And then uh, they just put long hair on her. Uh, and, he, a, and a flowery, you know, a fluffy, and she'd sing Bat Out of Hell. You'll never see the Jarvis Cocker one again, will you, in the celebrity specials. Do you remember who he did? Oh, God, did he did Rolf Harris, didn't he? Did, he did Rolf, <laughs> he did Rolf, he did Rolf Harris. Harris doing Two he Little did. Boys. Why, Jarvis, why? Oh, Jarvis. Uh, do you remember who did Morrissey? No. It was... Vic Reeves? No, it was oh. uh, Harry Hill. Uh, Harry Hill, I he's, do remember He's it a now, big Morrissey yeah. fan, well, Harry I Hill. Think you probably won't see that again, either. No, no helmet soon, probably. Harry, Harry Hill, um, he, he, he hates um, comedy, doesn't he? He hates it. He does, yeah. He, he hates it. I was, he was interviewed on Radio 5 and they were like, oh, so you're here to promote the new Harry Hill on TV? And he was like, I hate it. Six months a year, I'm so depressed having to do this show, I hate it. And they sort of, Nick, I think it was Nicky Campbell sort of nervously laughed and he's like, no, I'm absolutely serious. Marvellous. awful. It's awful. <laughs> I love Harry Hill. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Anyway, Sarah, was Sarah Swire? No. Well, I called, Swire. A, I called her Sasha Swain earlier. Sasha Swire, um... I was hoping she was actually married to Desmond Swain when I, I thought, like, oh my goodness. If Desmond Swain, MP's wife, wants to write a book, I will be first in line <laughs> to find out what life is like with Desmond Swain. Um, but Sasha Swire's book has inspired me to do a, write a quick quiz about political partners. Oh, good, okay. Uh, okay. Political wives, I think. Um, oh, well, that is awfully sexist of you. Do you know what? I spent so much time trying to find out interesting facts about, um, well, we've already had an interesting fact about Dennis Thatcher a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and we like Philip May. And we like Philip May. He looks like Arthur Askey. He's we, a good guy. As we know. So, yeah. it's, so I've done it about political wives. And I looked for same-sex partners of, and they're all very boring, aren't yeah. they? You know, yeah. They're, yeah. you know, they're all doctors and stuff like that. I think, the, you, I think you're getting sensible in, mixed up with boring. But the yes, okay. in that? <laughs> anyway. So, uh, five questions about political wives. Okay. Uh, question one, we, and we can do the answers to this now, or we can do them... I think do we, we should do... Do you know what? We've not even mentioned... We've, we've rambled on. We've not even mentioned who Matt Withers is interviewing. Oh, he's interviewing... Who's he interviewing? <laughs> who is he interviewing? <laughs> 
Oh, he's prep. interviewing uh, Roger Domengetti, isn't he? He is. And that'll be coming up in a, probably in, in about five minutes, I imagine. It will be, yeah. About the Rubik's Cube, yeah. which is back in, back, back, back it's in back, fashion. back, back, back. I don't think everybody really went out of fashion. I once, sp- I got one of my kids, or I got one for Christmas one year, um, and I said, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out by myself. I mean, if it takes me all day. And after 20 minutes, I Googled how to do it. And after another 10 minutes, I, I, got, I think I'd thrown it out the window or something. So, uh, Roger, oh, goodness me, Domen, Domengetti, Roger Domengetti, um, well, I guess can do the Rubik's Cube, can he? Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I, I presume he can do it, but right. he's written, a, he's written a, a very good article about it in this week's New European. And Matt Withers will talk to him next. Why don't we do it after? Why don't we do the questions for the quiz after the Rubik's Cube interview? Should, which... we, do, should we listen to a bit of Rubik's Cube? What, now? Oh, yeah. Well, what about these quiz questions? Well, I thought you just said, should we do the questions afterwards? Well, I thought you meant the answers after. I haven't the answers, yeah. Oh, I always get that. Quick, right, Andrew Bridgen's wife. Go right, on. how did Andrew... Question one. How did Andrew Bridgen's wife, Navina, who's an opera singer, isn't she? That's right, yeah. How did she cause an international incident... Isn't she, like... ...in November 2019? Is she Slovakian or something like she that? She is... I think she might be Serbian. Oh, goodness. I was <laughs> Serbian? Yes. Right, could I get That's that question right. one. So, how did Andrew Bridgen's wife, Navina, cause an international incident November no- 2019? Yeah. Going back a few more, few more years, yeah. Abraham Lincoln's wife, Mary... Yeah. Uh, was criticised for a spending. Not very popular, Mary Lincoln, in, ah. in, in before the assassination of Abraham ah. Lincoln. How many pairs of gloves is she said to have bought in one four-month period? Okay, can I have it to like, the nearest ten? You can have it to the nearest ten. Mm. Question three. I couldn't, I couldn't remember what this woman's name was. In 2014, which MP's wife was found to be selling signed photographs of herself on eBay scented with her favourite perfume. Ten quid each, they were. She later attempted to run for Parliament, saying, I really believe I'm a voice of the people. I'd really like... I really hope I can guess that one correct, but I'm not sure what it is. Question four. Which MP, male MP, tweeted in October 2018... I think he meant to tweet this at somebody, but in fact he tweeted it to everybody. I'll give you one chance... Is that chance, a bit like Ian Botham? Yes. I'll give you one <laughs> chance at honesty. Did you insinuate my wife was a prostitute on the Plymouth Herald comments section? <laughs> and question five. Which political wife led her husband in a rebirthing procedure on their holiday to Mexico in 2001. A what? A rebirthing procedure. They had a rebirthing procedure. It involved smearing mud and fruit over each other's bodies while sitting naked in the steam bath. Well, that sounds like a terrible waste of mud. Uh, sorry, fruit. <laughs> terrible, yeah. waste of, terrible waste of fruit, surely. Cause, it is, Because yeah. fruit with mud on it is not edible. It is. Um, All right, well, I've no idea about that. Well, there you go. Uh, well, why don't we have a little think, and you guys have a little think, while uh, Matt Withers talks about Rubik's Cubes with Roger Dominaghetti. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Hello, Matt Withers here, and this week I'm joined by Roger Dominaghetti, who's penned a piece in this week's print edition about the Rubik's Cube. Uh, Roger, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Hey, in the unlikely event that anybody under the age of 40 is listening to this podcast, um, the Rubik's Cube, sum it up. It's, it's essentially a cube um, with coloured sides, 
made up of um, smaller cubes that you can twist around and um, essentially make into various different patterns. And once you've done that, uh, it becomes a puzzle because the, the difficult part is putting it back together in its original state. Yeah, and it wasn't designed as a Choi or a game, was it? This is what you, you write about in your piece. No, it was, it was designed by um, Erno Rubik, um, sorry, Erno Rubik, who was a Hungarian um, lecturer in uh, interior design. And what he was trying to do was, he was trying to solve a puzzle, which was how can you put together um, a number of cubes, but also allow them to move independently of each other. So that was, that was his original kind of, um, that, that was his original sort of plan. Um, and, and obviously he managed to do that. And, it, and actually, in a sense, I think that's the kind of the real genius of the cube, because most people aren't really aware of how that, how that actually works, I think. And it was enormously um, popular, wasn't it? I mean, a little, a little yeah. bit before, before my time, aware of, it became this kind of huge um, cultural phenomenon. It did. I think it, it burned very brightly in, in a way. So um, it was initially um, released as the magic cube in his native Hungary. And then about three years down the line, um, uh, things behind the Iron Curtain at the time moved quite slowly. About three years down the line, it sort of was released nationally. So in 1980, um, and it became a, a huge sort of thing in Christmas 1980. Um, and, and it was just, I think, just on, on the cusp of the sort of the end of the pre-digital era and the beginning of what we might call the digital era. So back then, you know, obviously we didn't have the internet, we didn't have smartphones, um, but equally people, you know, there was only three TV channels in this country. People didn't have video recorders. So something like a toy like this, which might now, it might seem odd to people, why would a toy like this be so popular? But, you know, you can, you can kind of understand why um, it became so popular. But then actually within sort of two or three years, by sort of 1983, it, sales had absolutely sort of fallen off a cliff by comparison to what they were. Um, and again, you can sort of see that that coincides with the beginning of people buying um, video recorders, the home computers coming out and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that there were two factors, really. One, people were getting frustrated. <laughs> people got frustrated with the Rubik's Cube that they couldn't do it. And secondly, there were other kind of things to entertain them. Um, at the height of its popularity, there was even a, a Saturday morning cartoon starring a, a cube with what I can only describe as a face of a wizened old man who sounded like this. Hello, my name is Rubik. I watched an episode on YouTube earlier and uh, it's appalling. <laughs> I, I have to be honest and say I didn't, I didn't, I haven't sat through that. I can't remember whether I watched that when I was a kid or not, but if I, if I did, it certainly hasn't left any lasting impression on me. It's really not dated well. Um, <laughs> not appalling though, is a newish Netflix documentary uh, called yeah. The Speed Cubers. Um, I watched this last night, very much enjoyed it, but for people who haven't seen it, what's it about? Um, that is about um, two it focuses on two kind of speed cubers. So these are guys who, um, I guess, do what it says on the tin. They go, they go to competitions and see how quickly they can solve a Rubik's cube that's been presented to them all kind of mixed up. And it focuses on uh, Felix Zemdegs um, and his sort of friend and rival, Max Park. Um, uh, Zemdegs is, um, he's 25, he's only 25, but he's sort of considered a veteran of, of, the, of the kind of um, speed cubing world which is increasingly dominated by people in their teens or even, even younger than that. 
Yeah, it's very, um, it's a very charming, just forty-minute um, yeah. documentary. As much about friendship, I guess, as they did about about the cubes themselves. Um, yeah. No one remembers the kind of uh, the follow-ups, do they? I, I've got vague memories of a boy at school called Paul Rowland owning the <laughs> Rubik's snake, which was a, a similar type of thing, equally equally frustrating. Um, I, I guess the cube was a, a one-hit wonder, albeit one that, that seems to be very much. Um, back you know that, that, that the simplicity of it perhaps these moments in time people are turning to the rubik's cube yeah yeah i mean there were there were lots of sort of rip-offs and other versions and rubik himself came up with other things like the snake as you say there was also rubik the rubik magic i think which was a sort of flat thing with circles on and you had to mix the circles up and then re re sort of um reassemble them in 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 the pattern they were at the start but yeah um sales of the rubik's cube have, have risen over the last uh, few years i think in 2017 um sales of the rubik's cube were up something like 45 percent year on year and it was the highest year in terms of sales since the sort of 1980s heyday um what why this why is this i i guess there are we're seeing other things like um uh, people are sort of buying more vinyl records and things like that. So there is this kind of um, air of nostalgia about the Rubik's Cube. It feeds into um, people's kind of desire to sort of tap back into their past. But I, but I also wonder, like you say, whether whether it's, you know, it, people's, we, we're living in very complicated in, times and whether people are kind of looking for a resolution to this and in some way the Rubik's Cube taps into that. I, I don't know, but that, that could could well be part of the uh, part of the appeal as well well if people want to uh, read your article about the rubik's cube that's in this week's new european which is on sale now thanks for that roger thank you brexiteer of the week welcome back thank you mr withers that was both insightful and entertaining that's what he's there for <laughs> yeah he's good isn't he he's good he is good yeah uh, right so, then, come on, let's get these get these quiz answers done. Right, question one. How did Andrew Bridgen's wife, Navina cause an international incident in November of 2019? Was she the woman who... It, does does her relative work for Trump or something, or yes. work in the White House? Yes, this she, is right, you're on the right line. Did yeah. she get locked out of the White House? And she, I think she's got a young kid, hasn't she, or something, and she started saying, Mark, do you know who my husband is? Because they wouldn't let her in. She, she was asked to stand outside in the rain on a visit to the White House with her toddler son while their security clearance was being checked. All right. She'd been invited by her sister, you're right, I think, or a cousin or somebody, a relative, um, who does work for Trump. She said it was an example of cruel, hostile America and told the security guards, I'm going to report this to my government. This is the baby of a British politician. <laughs> uh, question two, how many gloves did Mary Lincoln... Uh, by in one four-month period, um, pairs of gloves. I'm going to go for 47. She bought 400 pairs what? of gloves in one four-month period, which I think <laughs> uh, might be viewed as excessive. That is excessive. Uh, in 2014, which MP's wife was found to be selling signed and scented photographs of herself on eBay? Um, they were They were sort of cleavage-heavy, I would say, these photographs. Well, I mean, the, the fact that it's centred, I, I mean, I would definitely have some a centred picture of, uh, of Sasha. Uh, well, if, I know it's not Sasha. her, I know it's not her, but I, would, I mean, if she wants to market that, 
Um, and I'm pretty sure Mr. Cameron would like some as well. Uh, was it Sally Burkow? It wasn't. It was Karen Danshuk. Oh, of her? course it was. Ah, She was briefly a, a ah. sort of tabloid sensation, wasn't she? Oh, I wonder what Karen's up to now. Uh, I don't know. I think they've, they've split up, haven't they? They have. I, yeah, I was pretty good pals with someone who knew the Danchuks uh, really quite well, and they're... Uh, yeah, Karen. Karen seems like a fun, a fun person to be around. Which MP tweeted in October 2018? I'll give you one chance at honesty. Did you insinuate my wife was a prostitute on the Plymouth Herald comment section? I'm trying to think of what what MPs we've got down in Plymouth. Um, the Plymouth Herald comments section. I bet Amazing. that's a fun place to hang out. Uh, oh God, I can't remember who the. I can even see a picture of him. With the sort of Plymouth in the background on his... You wouldn't want to mess with him, I wouldn't have said. Well, it's not Dominic Raab, is it? It's, jo- it's Johnny Mercer. Ah. Johnny Mercer. And finally, which what political Dominic Ra- What's Dominic Raab's constituency? Oh. Can't remember. But, oh, I'll tell you what, though. I hope Britbox do a three-month trial, because I've, I've got to see Dominic Raab in his karate gear on oh, uh, Spitting yes. Image. That yes. is brilliant. Uh, a witch political wife led her husband on a, in a rebirthing ceremony while they were on holiday in Mexico in 2001. They smeared bu- mud and fruit over each other's bodies while sitting naked in the steam bath. Uh, well, firstly, I've got, I've got a couple of issues with this. Yeah, go on. Firstly, I've been at four births. Yeah. My own. There was no mud, was there? And three others. There was some, maybe some fruit, but not during it. There was certainly no mud. No. Um, and there was no smearing of food stuff. No. Or, on anyone. It's, it wasn't um, realistic. And and also being born actually, and as I say, I, I've done it. I've done it once. Yeah. And I've witnessed three. Hoping to do it again. I've witnessed three. Yeah. Good. And um, and I, I'm not sure why you'd want to do it again once you've done it once. Uh, well, no. how many births have you been w- a witness to? I've been, uh, I've been witness to the what? Just the one? Yeah, just the one. Yeah. What? Just your own? Just no, no, two, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I wasn't uh, even there at my own birth. Yeah, yeah. No, I just went to the pub. Just picked me up. this afternoon, Steve? Yeah. Oh, I'm being born. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have another pint of light. weaning. Half <laughs> <laughs> a pint of light ale, please. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, ring her and see if she's finished with that breast pump. Um, uh, who would it be? Let's think. Two thousand and one. Uh, uh, what about the right? Uh, I'm going to go with um, uh, Christine Hamilton. It's it was Sherry Blair. Oh God, Sherry yeah. Blair and Tony Blair. She went Blair. through all that thing, didn't she? What was that woman called? <laughs> what was she called? Carol uh, Kaplan. Kaplan was really into all that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And then she was with Peter Foster, wasn't she? Yeah. And Mr. Bylin T and all of that's that. That's right, yeah. Uh, she didn't do very well there, just got one, but... Um, that's, my, that's my worst ever. Never mind, before we do the Brexiteers of the Week, um, I would like to um, tell you to buy the new European print edition. Me? In the new... Just you. Yeah. yeah. In the new European print edition this week, I've written about uh, Lawrence Fox... Oh, have the you? actor Lawrence Fox is is mulling over starting a new political movement with Martin Daubney from the Brexit Party. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Um, my favourite pieces that I've written recently. Um, 
and, right. and I will um, <laughs> to get out the door. And I will tell you. And I will tell you why because it gives me. It's not because it's brilliant. It's not because it's brilliant, but it is. Um, I'm it, sure it, it is brilliant. It does give me. Um, it does give me the license to to replay quite a lot of quotes from a, um, a, a an interview that Lawrence Fox did with Martin Daubney on Martin Daubney's YouTube channel the other week, including this one, which reminded me of Bross. Uh, Lawrence Fox told Martin Daubney, life is not about being dead, it's about being alive. There you go. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, the Bricks Tears of the Week. Yes. Liz Truss. It's ah, a Brexiteer of the Week. That is a disgrace. Uh, that is a disgrace. Uh, new pork markets. <laughs> she wanted new pork markets. Um, she was being asked about um, her trade deal with Japan in the Commons the other day. People were jabbing at her and saying, it didn't, it's not really going to make up for what we've lost from the EU, is it? And she said, well, I believe the EU referendum happened three years ago. And I... <laughs> At least it didn't happen three years ago. No, did it? it she's good at maths. Yeah, she's. I think you know the detail is um, <laughs> is probably not her strong suit. But cheese, she's very keen on cheese. The dickhead is in the detail. Freddie Vacker is a Brexiteer of the week. Yeah, <laughs> he was the he was the, the leader of UKIP. For, was he? He was the leader of UKIP since June. I can't keep up. Is that right? But he's no longer the leader oh. of UKIP. Neil Hamilton is now the oh, he's Neil leader of, of UKIP. Guess who's back? Freddie Vacker has been accused of bullying, harassment, verbal abuse and conduct likely to bring the party into disrepute. Um, so he is... Uh, temporarily out or, or maybe permanently one, out. He contests all of these uh, uh, things, by the way. Go on. One day I will tell you my Neil and Christine Hamilton story. I think you've told it on here many times. Have I? Yeah. On the pod? I think you keep telling it. Oh, right, I just okay. keep forgetting because you're very old. <laughs> uh, Freddie Vacker, I particularly liked him. Um, he made a great speech at UKIP's conference in 2019. He, he came to the lectern reading notes off toilet roll. Yes. Uh, and he said, um, "It's like um, the it's like the the um, when in Alexandria, Field Marshal Montgomery sketched out on the men's toilet mirror the plan for his invasion of Sicily. Uh, it was the wrong plan, as it turned out, because he invaded the wrong place. Yeah, um, and uh, Freddie Vacker definitely invaded the wrong place when he became um, UKIP leader. Michael Fabrican is one of the Brexiteers of the week." Boris Johnson had a Zoom call with MPs to try and get them on side about the whole internal market bill. Obviously, they are still not on side. Um, his his feed then went down, Boris Johnson. This is another reason why people are moaning about how disorganised he is. Uh, Michael Fabricant filled the gap. Do you know how he filled the gap? Um... I, I imagine it was hilarious. He sang Rule Britannia. Of course he did. Um, he sang Rule Britannia, but there was discord because uh, no one else joined in, <laughs> despite him going, everyone join in. Uh, one MP said they could see Michael Fabricant was just reading the words off a piece of paper. Um, so he'd obviously planned this all along. Oh. And another one said, uh, I just muted the whole call at that point. Um, but the Brexiteer of the Week is... Anne Widdicombe, ah. uh, who has been the Brexiteer of the week before and will be the Brexiteer of the week again. Probably uh, next week. 
Doris, old Doris Karloff, she's written in the Daily Express that nobody who dares to express an opinion uh, uh, on the right wing will ever get um, will, will, will ever get um, notified notification. She said you can't do it anymore. She said the only difference between the modern day cancel culture and the Spanish Inquisition is the lack of physical torture. Uh, she said, no one's going to be put on the rack, burnt at the stake or chained up and starved in prison, but we do make it impossible for people to function in normal society, working and earning, speaking freely, bringing up their children according to their moral code, if they are right wing, basically. And it would be a much more convincing argument, wouldn't it, if it wasn't written by <laughs> Anne Widdicombe in a national newspaper for a lot of money <clears throat> by uh, a well-paid columnist who continues to work and earn on TV. So Anne Widdicombe... Um, it's the Brexiteer of the week. Congratulations, Anne. Congratulations, Anne. I'm sure you will Widdy be delighted. Widdicombe, Widdicombe, Widdicombe. <clears throat> Remember that brilliant thing of hers at the... Uh, what was the election Tony Blair won? 1997. Yeah. There was a great moment of her. She went through a constituency on top of a yes. open-top <laughs> yes, bus. that's right. To total indifference yeah, with a, with yeah, a megaphone going, yeah. Widdicombe, Widdicombe, Widdicombe. <laughs> Alack! Alack! Um, well, that brings us almost to the end of this. Well, I'm uh, finished. Edition. I'm going now. I'm <laughs> like, going like Eric Morecambe used to at the end. So this you can do a song and I'll be off. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, in that case, um, I will do. Um, I will do Lost in Music, it, the Marquis Smith version, the Fall version. And um, le money est sur le table. <laughs> Brilliant! If only Mark could play us out to that. Um, God rest his soul. Uh, I, I was thinking actually. Imagine if you actually were lost in music. It feels so alive. I was, it's oh, brilliant. Although the thing that annoys me about he changes nine to five to ten to five. Yes, it does. <laughs> it's a very marked. I ain't working before. Yeah, I'm not doing I'm not, that. I'm not working at I mean, <laughs> before ten o'clock. Um, that was yes. good. That was good. I hope you enjoyed it. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming along. If you did enjoy it, of course, there's a really good um, copy of the New European out on your stands now. It's three pounds. Go and get it. Lots of great politics, as you'd expect. Lots of great, well, not so great politics, but great political analysis. Lots of Brexit analysis, but tons and tons of arts and culture. If you haven't picked up the New European before and you think it is akin to other. Um, uh, political periodicals it certainly is not it's uh, it's a, a very different beast and you will love it uh, there's also an offer on the website which is uh, you can get 13 issues for 13 pounds if you're a new subscriber or um, you can go to tneshop.co.uk oh yeah. and you get loads of face masks you can buy face masks you can buy tne face masks they should make the face masks look like our faces that'd be amazing you could it? wear a new European podcast beard. Made you look like the, <laughs> hey, the night fisher and the gloved wang. What? Uh, that is fantastic. Yeah, right, that would get, be good. Right, get the merch people on the phone. The gloved wang is coming to see you, merchandise. Um, if if by any reason you did enjoy this podcast, I'm sorry, I know it's unlikely. It's been a particularly rambly one. It has. Uh, lots of people like the rambly ones, though, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, if you liked it, you can leave us a lovely review on your podcatcher of choice. That would be much appreciated. You can join our Facebook readers group. You can follow the New European on Twitter, at the New European. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. 
Or you can follow me at Porritt, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mr. Withers, not only for your wonderful interviewing skills, but also for the production behind the scenes. We will be back next week. Until then, Mr. Campbell, play us out. Here you go.